welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. My co-host for this segment is Darren Solden, Director of Economic Development. Hey, Darren. Hi, Jason. Great to be here. Uh, it's great to have you. So we have a couple of guests today, which we normally have one, so it's nice to have more than one for this segment. Uh, one's on our team, and that's Janet Nichols. So, Janet, welcome to the Think MHK podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. And our special guest is Rich Jankovich, and he is our military relations committee chair. Actually, that's not correct. You just finished your term as the Military Relations Committee Chair at the end of last year. Correct. That's right. But, Thanks for but having me here. But you're here to talk about, uh, the specifically talk about military relations. Absolutely. So tell us a bit about yourself and how you ended up in Manhattan. My family is originally from Gary, Indiana. And through a long course of my father's uh, career paths, he ended up working out of Kansas City with Pontiac Motor Division, which ironically is no longer in existence. And um, his territory was pretty massive. And he had an opportunity to buy a car dealership that had gone bankrupt that was Curry Motors or Curry Pontiac that was at 3rd in Houston in 1967 in the summer. And so we, we acquired the franchise and the property and moved from Kansas City because he was, he was concerned that Pontiac was going to be moving us every couple of years, a little military-ish, which was very true. And uh, so it brought some stability to us. He liked the idea of a college town, and uh, having, the, the, uh, having Fort Riley close by gave us an opportunity to have some, uh, a, a little different perspective on the car business. So it worked out pretty well for us. And then, obviously, after college, I left and then moved back in 2003 uh, in a career move that brought me to Commerce Bank in 2003, and which was more by, by chance than by, co- than, uh, by plan. And uh, they just happened to have a position here. So that's what brought the family back. But my father's been here since 1967. But you boomeranged. So you, I did. you graduated yeah. from high school here. And, and college. And college. Yeah, and then I lived. Did. Where, did, where did you live in the interim? So uh, several places. Yeah, actually. So Minneapolis, Kansas, Salina, Kansas, Warrensburg, Missouri, Omaha, Nebraska, Hastings, Nebraska, Rochester, Minnesota, um, Monticello, Indiana, uh, Crown Point, Indiana, and then back here. So several stops. I'm familiar with that. I have done that myself. So yeah. Um, so you're with Purple Wave Auction now. Talk talk about Purple Wave. What what do you do there and what does Purple Wave do? So Purple Wave is the largest no-reserve internet-only auction company in the United States. And we sell used uh, heavy construction equipment, agricultural equipment, uh, fleet sales that would be uh, transit or also vehicle uh, fleets that um, we have as well as government uh, liquidations, which Manhattan and Junction City actually participate with us, as well as the state of Kansas through KDOT and others. So we sell internationally. Ironically, most people think that we buy and sell. We do not buy anything. We sell it for other people. So everything is used. It's as is, where is. Quite an interesting company that's grown dramatically, really in the last five years, but tremendously even so in the last two. So with COVID and everything, we've expanded about 40 to 50 percent. 
Great. Well, and we're glad to have Purple Wave in, in Manhattan. So, um, as we mentioned, you recently completed your term as chair of the Military Relations Committee. How long How long a term is that, Janet? It's typically two years, but they can go on for a third. And Rich got the bonus plan. I guess oh, so four. Rich, Rich. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he four. went to four. Yeah. It was a, yeah. a, a little bit of a... I got you. So, kind of an honor student of... Absolutely, of yeah. I got my PhD in MRC chairmanship. So, so what what does the chair do, and what what's the committee's primary purpose? So, the committee itself is really a group of people that that care about the military and especially Fort Riley, and try to participate in as many activities and be as involved with the military leadership at Fort Riley as we can, and with the idea that. We build relationships, which helps continue to the flow on the economic side to our city. We, and by making friends, you know, it kind of trickles down in all the way through the troops so that the families know what's here and what's available for them to do, as well as when they have specific problems or they don't have anywhere to go even for a meal at Thanksgiving or Christmas. So I've had multiple families over for the holidays. As so I, I know Janet has done the same thing. It's just one of those things that was bred into my family through athletics, weirdly enough. When we moved here, we were the uh, family for some basketball players, and we would have the whole team over. And you can imagine what that's like at Thanksgiving and how much disappears quickly. You know, our, our fundamental mission is really to promote Manhattan to the to the military and the military to Manhattan. And I think that, um, you know, over the last several years since Janet's been on as the military relations director, the growth in, in uh, the trust and our Really, our influence at Fort Riley has grown exponentially and way better than, than I've seen it since I re- really became involved in about 2011. So, you know, kudos to Janet. And, you know, I always joke um, that, that I'm her wingman. And really, that, that's, that fundamentally is what it is. I kind of become the, the face as a chair, and whoever is the chair is really the face because you're always doing the, the lunches and you're recognizing a lot of different events for that. And Janet does all the heavy lifting. So, you know, kudos to her because, you know, I always joke that she makes me look good when I stand up in front of people. And that's really the truth. You know, she's developed a lot of the scripts. I would say that the, my four years was probably a little different because I had an opportunity to get deeper into it. But before that, I'd become a distinguished trooper at Fort Riley, which is a really unique honor, Janet and I both share that that honor. And so, you know, I, I, we try to go a little bit farther. We also have the Little Apple Brigade that goes along with that. And by having those kind of combined, we build the business community along with kind of the public relations side of it. I'm always consulting with Janet on anything that needs to happen on the events that we're doing. Um, if she needs some direction or just that little extra oomph that, that maybe I can bring as the chair um, to whomever, and whether it's the leadership of the chamber or with other businesses or even at Fort Riley, that's really the support role that I that I try to bring. Yeah, and of course, we're proud to have Janet on our team and, and appreciate that. Janet, Rich brought up the uh, Little Apple Brigade. What is the Little Apple Brigade and, and how does someone get involved in that? So the Little Apple Brigade is a membership within the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Um, it's uh, for senior leaders within a business, whether it's the business owner or if it's a large company, the senior manager on site here uh, in Manhattan. And it is 
uh, two events a year, uh, two upscale nice events. One is a ball. We just had our, our annual ball October 23rd. We had about 100 people there. Um, and then we also have a spring social um, that's a little more casual, um, it, but it's it's like heavy hors d'oeuvres and, and beer and wine. And, and we try to find unique places to have that event. And, and basically, it's an opportunity to bring these two communities together, these senior leaders, to forge friendships and interactions to the betterment of both communities because a lot of times a lot of ideas will will happen while you're sitting there talking to someone at a dinner table or 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 looking at a piece of artwork at one of the venues where we we've hold held the event before so so it really is a great way for these two groups of leaders to interact and meet so if you're interested let me know all right Rich, why did you decide to get involved with the MRC? Uh, you know, it, it really started about February-ish of 2011, weirdly enough. And, and really before that, because I, I, I knew people that were serving on it, but nobody ever asked if I wanted to. And I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a military buff anyway and love, love Fort Riley. And in 2011, I was asked to go with General Brooks to Cantini, which is the 1st Infantry Division's museum and kind of a state, if you will, in uh, Chicago with the uh, command team when they came back for their after-action reports from uh, Iraq. And I became very, very immersed in everything going on, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And I was asked at that point to join the Little Apple Brigade, and then at, at the same time I got elected uh, as a city commissioner. And so, you know, trying to get into the MRC at that point was probably not appropriate. And... Um, because an elected official, it just gets a little mucky. And then as my term was ending, I was asked to join. And um, I, Lauren Peppard was the, had stepped down as, or had left as mayor and had become the chair at that point. And um, that's kind of how I became then the chair. When he retired from that, then I stepped into the, to the chairmanship. It was really just because I, I truly appreciated the friendships I'd been developing. Most of the people that I come into contact with I'm still in contact with to this day, which is one of the things that I think the Little Apple Brigade does really, really well. And we try to bring socializing um, between the two groups as much as possible as, a, as opposed to making it very formal. And by doing that, we, we get a lot more interaction and we develop much deeper friendships. I'm fortunate to be part of the team at the Chamber uh, that gets to see all the great work that you all do. Um, but for those that maybe aren't as involved, why don't you tell us a little bit more about some of the key achievements of the Military Relations Committee? I'll let Janet start with that. Anything and everything that's military-related pretty much in Manhattan comes across my desk. So it is everything is far-reaching from uh, that I worked a little bit on the airport expansion project, the selection for the Defense Community Infrastructure Program, which is um, a grant program from the United States government that provides money for infrastructure projects outside the installation that benefit inside the installation and our, our runway at the airports uh, refurbishment needs to be accommodate military transport so um, so so that's something I worked on I worked on the the I'm working currently on the the governor's challenge to prevent suicide among service members uh, veterans and family members I mean it, it, it just kind of goes on and on. I, I could talk about, about an, any number of things that we're engaged with um, that has to do with Fort Riley, the 1st Infantry Division specifically, and even the military 
vaguely in general. And then licensing, licensing reciprocation last year was another project. Yeah, that was a big one that that we worked hard and long on to get uh, Kansas along that. And and now, I mean, we're looking at a couple of of other things going forward, uh, things to benefit veterans. I'm I'm working on getting USD 383 to be designated as a Purple Star School, um, which is a military-friendly school designation. It's education is one of the major basing decisions that the Department of Defense looks at, uh, you know, and you don't have to have a BRAC to have a change in, in your base and your military posting. So um, that's another thing as well. Janet is, is very humble. Trust me. There's, there's so many other things, but the, uh, to me, one of the biggest accomplishments that she has, she has done was redeveloping the trust between the senior leadership at Fort Riley and our community, as well as the Junction City community with the MAC, there, there was a time when there were other people involved that uh, created a situation that we were no longer part of briefings. We weren't allowed to know the things that were going on in the same way because it was broadcast and uh, when it was not supposed to be. And Janet pretty much single-handedly got them to believe in, in a Manhattan especially and reopen those doors and that's the thing that has allowed so many of the others to happen. She's been part of the of the uh, Fort Riley community partnership that has with basically the winter salt and the storage and all that and how that worked, and then and then moving all the way forward to the DCIP. You know, without her involvement, I, I don't know that that would have happened. And you know, that's a six million dollar piece. If you want to put dollars on it, that's mammoth. But there there's so many other things because she's the face on Fort Riley all the time talking to the soldiers, talking to senior leadership, and being a part of what, what makes our community great for them. That's great. Very impactful. Um, there's also some regular activities that the committee has and, and maybe some opportunities for people to get involved. So, Janet, why don't you tell us a little bit more about those? My most frequent event, I would say, is the MRC lunch. It's the first Wednesday of the month. It moves around to different venues that can accommodate about 100 people. Uh, we Pre-COVID, we were at 100 every meeting. We're working our way back up to our pre-COVID numbers. But um, basically, it's an opportunity from any for anybody. We have school bus drivers and bank presidents at the MRC lunch. Um, and we have all, all a variety of service members, uh, civilian workers, and family members who attend the MRC lunch lunch as well from Fort Riley. Um, And so basically, it's an opportunity to network. We always have a guest speaker who will present on a military-themed topic. So at an MRC lunch, you never know who you're going to hear. We have had Major General David Weishar, the Adjutant General for the State of Kansas. We're trying to get the director of the Eisenhower Museum uh, to come next year. They've been closed for a while, but they've also had some renovations, and we'd love to hear what's going on there. Uh, We have um, Congressman Tracy Mann scheduled for next year as well. So so seriously, you never know who you're going to bump into there. We also put on annually um, the first night of the rodeo at the State Fair is Military Appreciation Night at the Caw Valley Rodeo. We have so much wonderful support of this little event. We have a pre-rodeo tailgate and we raise money and distribute 1,500 tickets on Fort Riley to soldiers and their families. Um, and I'm also knee-deep in Veterans Day. The weather was beautiful in 2020. 21, I'm happy to say, but um, I'm a past president of the Flint Hills Veterans Coalition who, who puts on the parade for the city of Manhattan. Uh, this past year, we had not quite 2,000 participants in the parade, uh, almost 80 entries, and we are the largest parade for Veterans Day in the state of Kansas, and we're really proud of that. So just a couple things. 
And if someone wants to come check out an MRC lunch, they just register through the chamber, right? Register Correct. through the chamber. You and can... don't be afraid to come. That's the big thing. It's not just people that have been associated with the military. It's anybody that would li- like to learn what's going on uh, throughout the state of Kansas or the U.S. or Fort Riley. But it's really open to anybody. And, and that's the misnomer. And while we think everybody should be a chamber member, you do not have to be a chamber member to attend MRC lunch. Correct. But you should be. Well, they are great events. I always learn something at them. Um, one of the things I've learned at, uh, at MRC lunches is what an incredible impact uh, Fort Riley has on our region. So why don't you talk a little bit about the economic impact of Fort Riley? I used to joke, and I wasn't really sure of the numbers, that it would take four K-States to make a Fort Riley in terms of economic impact to the region. Um, and then I heard two presentations back-to-back, one from Fort Riley, one from K-State, and I was about right. At the time, it was uh, economic impact from K-State was $770 million, and the economic impact of Fort Riley was $2.8 billion. So uh, it's a rather large uh, economic impact, and and it hits us in ways you really don't really think or imagine. Um, I I know I I go to a, a place for dinner a lot. And a lot of times I think people think that they're students sitting there when I know they are soldiers there. Um, and so uh, Fort Riley is in the top five economic drivers in the state. And so it, it's a real asset to Manhattan and the region. And I really, I, I mean, I could get into the nuts and bolts of this, but, but basically it's just a really large drive to our economy. It was interesting during the pandemic, um, we heard from some of our business association folks who said they had no idea the impact of the military yes. until the yeah. until Fort Riley was not allowed to eat or or, yeah. or socialize. And, and I think town. you know, I think that's an interesting that's an interesting point because the typical citizen of Manhattan has no idea the the true impact that Fort Riley has. And I'm always asked, even by Fort Riley people, why that is. And part of it's because you see the football stadium on a Saturday full of purple, mostly. Sometimes other people sneak in. But they see that. So and and it's been the whole thing about about Coach Snyder and he's driven everything here. Well, he came on at a point in time when the division was actually in Germany because they left here in 1993. And the impact then was devastating. And it was devastating the entire region. And then we've slowly grown through that because our our football program especially was flourishing. And you get a huge jump, you know, six, seven times during the fall. Well, when the division came back in 2005, 2006, the whole thing changed. And I, I heard from people constantly, I thought traffic was bad before. Then the pandemic really brought it home because everyone kept saying, well, we can make it without the students. And then when Fort Riley put the kibosh on it, it, was like, and it became ghost town. That's terribly unfortunate. And, you know, that part of understanding their impact is also understanding their needs for readiness, which is part of what stopped it. So that it's one of the most difficult things, but their whole key is readiness. And if they're not ready to go when the president says go, it's going to be a bad day for the commanding general and everybody underneath them. So understanding what their needs are in our efforts to, to deal with the pandemic is very critical. And no matter how we want to argue it, how we want to fight it, we, we need to understand that. And that's one of the things Janet did a phenomenal job on and also created a good, a good uh, pathway between the Chamber of Commerce and the division leadership team to try and work through some of those issues to open back up in a way that made sense. And I think, you know, there was so much to learn during the pandemic that first we just slammed it down and then we started trickling it open and back up. But nobody really brought good common sense things. It was just kind of this here, this, and that there. Now we're, I think we're a lot better 
and, and we all cooperate much better. We have much better communication. Yeah, I'll never forget the, the weekend after Fort Riley allowed uh, personnel to go eat in town again. It yeah. went from you could walk into any restaurant in the in town to oh a waiting list when when did we start having exactly when did we start having yeah. waiting lists oh, again? And like an hour long waiting list and, and and uh yeah it was it was a that weekend was crazy and it's so many people on fort riley told me they were so excited because they moved in the middle of the pandemic and they hadn't been able to go out to eat any place in manhattan for for that long you know and and one of the one of the way one of the things that, that you think about is how can we make people understand it, it that's tough you know, in, when I was growing up here, it was during the Vietnam era, and the soldiers were not allowed to leave post in uniform because there was a tremendous fear of bad things happening to them. Now, we're so used to seeing people in uniform, a lot of people assume they're the guard or the reserves because that's what was around. But now they're, you know, they, they look like everybody else. Their hair is, is not as, as, as shaved down as it had been in the early days. You see families together where you used to see, you know, in the Vietnam era, more single soldiers. Aggieville is the same thing, except now in, instead of being more, more nightlife oriented, there's more eating potential and shopping than there was when I was growing up. And so it, it's really a consistent message and people need to understand. And the people that were impacted during the pandemic should be talking about that to their patrons. You know, this is what happened to us because they couldn't come. And it was shocking. I think it was it was a big shock to a lot of people. The business owners have figured it out. And, and that's the important part. And I think that's the biggest manner that we can put up. The business owners have to understand it and they have to tell that story. I agree. So Rich, what can we do as a community, region, or state to make sure that Fort Riley is strong? You know, it, it, that's a real interesting thing. And I, I would say it goes, you know, one of the things that goes back to is the listening tour that happened in 2015 when the Pentagon sent groups around to division bases or communities to hear what they had to say. Tim Livesey, who's the former deputy garrison commander here, tells the story of being here that day and then going to San Antonio to meet with other peers of his at a conference. And then by the time he got there, they had heard what happened. We were the largest group to come forward. We were the only fully positive messaging group. We organized it well, but the people did it with heart. And that's one of the things I think you have to remember. We have to consistently tell the message about why Manhattan is a great place, why we're great partners with Fort Riley. And we can't be afraid to talk to our, to our state representatives in the legislature, to our congressional delegation, which we do at least once a year with AUSA because we go to the national convention. And we started a few years ago to meet with all of our congressional delegation, not just the first and the two senators. We try to get them all there. Because it's related to everything that we do is related to the state. And that, that's absolutely critical. And the more people that can go and show the support, I think, is, is a big part of it. And then the other part is participate in events at Fort Riley when you're able to. There's lots of things. Apple Days is one. They, when they have the ghost tours, the Christmas tours, when the people are out there, they recognize who's coming from the community. And most, most of the soldiers that come here, the families, say, we never left the post we were on. And they come here and they're like, this is crazy. We love being here. And we're told we don't, you know, this is not a great place to come. We're like, we don't understand why. Our people here are friendly. There's a lot to do. The base is accessible to the communities where others it isn't. And we have a, we have a significant number of people that do live off post where the others don't. I don't know if Janice got any other ideas, but that's to me, that's the biggest thing. We have to consistently tell the message. 
And I know the chamber usually does the annual trip as as a board to to DC. Same message. That need, always needs to be part of it, and and make sure that it's it's well understood. And and I've been told by many of the congressional folks, we get it. No, you don't. You're going to get it again and again and again because we you know not we can't just afford to lose it, but we have to make it grow. If we continue to tell the story, I think we've got the best opportunity. Rich and Janet, thank you so much for everything you do for the Chamber and the Military Relations Committee. And thank you for joining us today on the Think MHK podcast. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having us. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. Welcome back to the Think MHK podcast coming from the Ad Astracast studios. My co-host for this segment is Sharla Meisenheimer. Hey, Sharla. Hey, Jason. How are you today? I am great. Today is going to be a great show. Well, it should be because this is a new one for me. We have my neighbor on today. Okay. I didn't know he was your neighbor. He is my neighbor. Absolutely. That could be interesting. There could be some stories here. So I'm excited today because we have Andy Ellis with us and Andy is with Arthur Green. So welcome, Andy. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So um, we moved in the neighborhood last year. And as some of you know, I got married and my wife and uh, moved from Oklahoma with small town, smaller community in Oklahoma uh, with two or three boys in tow. And so we were all there. And so one day the boys said, uh, there's a guy that walks his dog every day in his suit. <laughs> and I said, really? And they said, yeah. And so one day they went, hey, hey, he's out there. Go look. And so I look, I go, that's not a guy. That's Andy Ellis. <laughs> so that's, a, that's an attorney. Yeah. He's less, less but than yeah, a guy. But Andy, <laughs> but we know, but we know Andy in the neighborhood as the guy who walks the dog in his suit. So what is the dog's name? The dog's name is Ruxin. That's, Ruxin. Yeah. R-U-X-I-N. That's an interesting name. It is an interesting name. Yeah, it comes from the league. You ever heard of that show on FX? Yeah. Rodney Ruxin was the attorney on that show. He's not a very good person, but the dog was kind of annoying like Ruxin. So Ruxin was his name. That's uh, Nick Kroll and Nick Jason Manzoukas yeah, and two of my favorite comedians. I agree. So, yeah. yeah. And you were actually on the committee that helped select you. He was. Yeah. He was on this the president search yeah. group. So. Yeah. How little did you know I don't think that's how I ended up here today. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, you are here today because Arthur Green was one of our finalists for the Small Business absolutely. of the Year Award, which yeah. was so exciting. So, Andy, tell us a little more about yourself and how did you wind up here in Manhattan? Yeah, well, I'm not a native Manhattanite, but sometimes I feel like one. Um, I spent like all of my summers here in Manhattan when I was growing up because both sets of my grandparents lived here. Uh, I would come up and hang out at Seco Park and go to the country club pool and go to city park pool and hang out with a whole bunch of my cousins. Uh, so I obviously was familiar with Manhattan then went to K state for my undergrad, loved it. Uh, had a blast. Um, and then went to law school at a place where we won't talk about because I'm sure there are lots of purple fans here, but, uh, I uh, went to Lawrence for a few years and then, yeah, an opportunity opened up in 2011 to come back uh, and uh, I took it. My wife and I have been here for 10 years and we've, we've loved it. It's been a blast. 
So the opportunity opened up with Arthur Green. So tell us a little bit about Arthur Green and what is your role there? And talk yeah. to us about the history there. Yeah. And it is, it is kind of a unique history for me personally. My, my grandfather was the, the Green and Arthur Green. Dick Green. I never knew that yeah. about you. Never knew that. Yeah. So that was that was neat. And he retired in the 1990s. So he was he was done when I was getting hired. Uh, but obviously, I knew some of the partners and didn't really have a thought to come back to Manhattan. But there was an on-campus interview at KU. And so I met with a couple of the guys. I had worked at a smaller firm in Lawrence. And I just was all in, uh, really liked the partners and, uh, liked the size of the firm. And it, it just clearly fit what I was trying to accomplish in terms of my practice area. And plus I get to live in Manhattan. So, I mean, it was, it was instantly like, let's do this. Let's go back. And my wife was on board and yeah. Yeah, anytime you can move from Lawrence to Manhattan, you got to go. It was a huge upgrade. Yeah, yeah go for absolutely. That. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about it, but Arthur Green has been in business for over 60 years now. Yeah. So what's the secret for them and their culture that has allowed them to be so successful that long? You know, uh, it is a culture. It's, it's a culture thing. It's professionalism. It's hiring people who are committed to the same values that... Uh, the prior partners are all of us uh, truly, truly want what's best for our clients. We're dedicated to that and to providing good quality service uh, in an efficient way. And, uh, you know, I've been very lucky to feel able to continue on that tradition. I've got right now four other amazing partners who also are committed to that same level of commitment to our clients. And, you know, again, it's it's pretty cool uh, to talk around Manhattan and to work with your clients and to know your clients and to not only in the sense of they are your clients, but that they're your neighbors in some instance. They're they're uh, your friends and they're people that you interact with outside of just, you know, the attorney client relationship. It's it's a really great place to live and work. And yeah, all of us at Arthur Green are committed to those same principles. So, Andy, you all are not only a locally owned company, um, but you've assisted a lot of other businesses and continue to assist a lot of other locally owned businesses in Manhattan. Why is Manhattan a great place for businesses and entrepreneurs? I think it has such a unique blend of people. Uh, I think you have obviously the fort, which brings a whole bunch of new ideas. You have K-State, young people, uh, you know, always wanting to stay in Manhattan like I did and be a part of what's going on here. Uh, But then you really have a dedicated business community uh, to, you know, even the local people who who live here. Um, And and there's, there's such a rich tradition you know, going back to from the Wareham's, uh, you know, all kinds of families and, and history of different types of businesses that have uh, been here and been entrepreneurial um, and, and tried new things, started new things. And, and, and so I, I'm, I'm pleased to be able to help continue that legacy. So along those same lines, what, what makes Manhattan a great place to live? You know, I, I think it's it's really it's a welcoming community when you have the variety of, of types of people that come to Manhattan. I think that inevitably you're going to end up uh, with a, a city that just is accepting of, of new people um, and uh, just really makes everyone who comes here feel like they've been here for the last 10, 20 years. Um, and, and I, I think, 
Manhattan's really unique in that way. I mean, I don't think you can go to a larger city and quite feel the same vibe that you get with Manhattan. Plus, you have the small town college. Plus, you have uh, kind of the uniqueness of Fort Riley. And you've got Wamego. I mean, there's just so many aspects to it. It's different layers that are really enjoyable. Now, you didn't tell us, I don't think. What's your hometown? My hometown is originally Overland Park. I've lived kind of all over the Midwest. My dad bounced around when I was a kid. So Dallas, Chicago, St. Louis, Wichita. I love oh, so a lot of places. places. So, yeah. but you graduated from Overland Park. Graduated from Blue Valley West. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's right. So you've been engaged in the chamber for a while. Uh, yeah. Why is that? Why is being engaged in the chamber important to you and, and Arthur Green? Yeah. Well, I, I think from a firm perspective, our clients are uh, in business. They're they're wanting the business community to succeed. They want to succeed in their own businesses. And so obviously we have a vested interest in ensuring the continued success of the chamber. Um, we think that chamber membership is extraordinarily important. Um, and we think that uh, you know, there's not a better organization to um, continue to steward uh, the the business relationships in town than through the chamber, which does, as you all well know, uh, so much for the business community in terms of advocacy, um, recruitment of new businesses. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's absolutely vital for our practice. Uh, and we kind of cons- consider ourselves the, the business law firm in town. That's what some people describe us as. And so we, we would like to ensure that we're, we're carrying on. Well, first, thank you so much for reading and memorizing the promotional materials. I appreciate that. Yeah. Do my best. Yeah. (laughs) So, and we didn't talk about that when you were describing Arthur Green, but you guys are primarily a business firm, right? Yeah. You know, I think we, I always tell people we do the, the, the less exciting types of law. You know, I don't think they're any less exciting than criminal law, but we're not going to the jails. We're not in court every day, we, but we do, you know, primarily uh, if we're in court, it's for business litigation, probate matters. Um, we hit on super exciting tax law items, real estate, business formation. Um, and and really when I describe what I do, I often say I act and my other partners act as general counsel to a lot of small businesses because not every business can afford to bring on an attorney and have them on their payroll. So, we fill that role uh, for a lot of uh, small businesses here in town. So in other words, if any of you end up in the jail, it's probably the end of a bad yeah, day. Yeah, you don't want to call me if you had a bad night. That's I'm not the phone call. I got you. I got you. So Arthur Green was a finalist for Small Business of the Year this yeah. year at the Chamber's Business Awards. Um, how did your team find out and what was the reaction when you did find well, out? Well, I think we got an email or a call from Sharla and I told the other guys and they were like, wow, that's uh, that's some heady competition that we were uh, up against. And um, we, were, we were really, really grateful uh, through with the opportunity to even be in the running. Uh, obviously, uh, we're, we're super, super proud to have that recognition. Um, always want to win. We're competitive people. We're attorneys. But, you know, hey, uh, the, the just being able to come to that luncheon and, and be in that company was really outstanding. Well, and of course, Borg Brothers won. And, and you all probably bought most yeah, of your we, suits we, there. We, so we've helped Borg Brothers good. out. There's a nice mutual <laughs> relationship there. So that, that was great. Um, so you're a young professional and you moved back to, to Manhattan to, to pursue a career. What piece of advice do you have for a young professional interested in getting engaged in the Manhattan business community? Well, uh, first off, join the chamber. 
uh, pretty easy. Again, um, thank you for yeah, memorizing yeah. the materials. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate well, that. but that's, you know, it, it's, it's such a, you know, simple thing to do, but my gosh, I mean, with hype and all of the different offerings that you guys have, I mean, if you want to get involved in business in Manhattan, joining the chamber is pretty straightforward way to do that. And I always like to tell people you get out of it, what you put into it. And, uh, there's plenty of opportunities to, to do that with the chamber and, try different things and be on different boards and different advisory committees. And boy, uh, yeah, I don't understand if someone wants to get involved in the business community of Manhattan, how joining the chamber would not allow them to do that. I mean, it's, it's too easy. Andy, that is the end of the hard part. Maybe the easy part. I'm not sure which is which, oh, but, all right. but we have our rapid fire questions that, uh, our business spotlight, uh, folks go through. And so Charlotte has got those questions and I am going to, let her ask him. You think you're ready for this? Best piece of advice you ever received? Everything in moderation, including moderation. Ooh. What is your guilty pleasure? I'm a big TV guy. Prestige dramas. I'm all about it. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Easy. Slam dunk. Yeah. Favorite snack? Uh, Chipotle burrito is hard to beat for me. It's a snack? Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I could do a couple burritos. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> No problem. What TV sitcom family would you want to be a part of? Sitcom family? Ah, uh, The Simpsons. Absolutely. I agree with that. That would be that would be pretty be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite pet? A Ruxin. Absolutely. Gotta shout out Ruxin. <laughs> Biggest lesson the pandemic taught you? Uh treasure the time you're able to be with your family. I mean, boy, that was that was tough not being able to see some family for sure first and favorite concert yeah i believe that uh the beach boys in manhattan was my first concert my favorite concert was ben folds at city market circa 2003 that was awesome who's someone you look up to oh my dad uh, it begins and ends with my dad he's a fantastic guy favorite meal oh yeah easy uh bourbon and baker uh chicken and waffles done that's it. That's your seven. That's your, that's your rapid hey, that was, That's it. Woo. Well, Andy, uh, even though you are kind of from Lawrence, we'll let that, I'm teasing. No. You're not, you're not. I can't claim <laughs> that. Don't, from don't, Lawrence. Don't, don't put that evil on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we'll, uh, okay. For all the talk about Lawrence, I think we can all acknowledge that they did a world of favor when they beat Texas yes. in football. And so yep. we all Lawrence appreciated down. that together, but, uh, thank you so much for your support of the chamber. Yeah, thank absolutely. you for being with us on the show today and good luck. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.